0: You're listening to Comedy Central. Please welcome D. Reese. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. You are... An amazing filmmaker. Uh, You know, it's uh, Mudbound, the film we just saw now, which is gonna be coming out on Netflix. Uh, But a lot of people know your work from Pariah. You created a story that really touched on how your life could have been. When you look at a film, are you trying to imbue a piece of yourself within it?
1: I think like part of it happens, you know, deliberately. And then I think there's a the stuff that slips in accidentally. So for me, like looking back, I realize that in my work, there's always this element of like home about not being able to go back home. Like in Pariah, a, right. like, a you know, she ends up going to Berkeley to get away from home. And then in Bessie, you know, like Queen Latifah, like when she goes back is when she goes home to Chattanooga, that's when she gets stabbed and that's when she gets hurt. And in this film, like both these, like these two kind of guys who've gone off to war, like coming back home is like the real battle line. So I think Think like that kind of fear of home is something that slips in. And I don't know, I should talk to a therapist or something,
0: but like, that's like, <laughs> that's like the thing. I, I guess in different ways, they both have a valid fear of not uh, coming home. Uh, Mudbound is a film about Americans who go off to a war. Mm-hmm. Two Americans who should be the same. One is black, one is white. And when they come back, they experience a very different country, even though they both fought for the same thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think the thing that's interesting So, like Jamie and Ron like these are these two soldiers from different families. And so they've kind of been outside the bubble. And their whole kind of thing is that they, they've gone over to fight in World War Two. They, they come back home. There's no ticker tape parade for them. There's, you know, these kind of muted celebrations. And, you know, they, they have PTSD before there's really, like, a name for that. And so they're just, like, you know, self-medicating. They're drinking, and right. neither family really understands them. And they kind of connect with each other and kind of find this friendship because of that trauma. So, like, these guys ordinarily wouldn't talk to each other, but they're kind of, like, having this thing because they can... They're the only guy that, like, understands, like, what, what they've gone through. Right. And so I think that's kind of interesting to, like, delve into how when people are cracked or when they're broken, that's when kind of like um, um, empathy can kind of creep in or seep in, yeah.
0: Is, is that something you're trying to create in the film, is an, is an empathy? Because it, it feels like the story touches on so many different themes. On one end, I'm feeling for veterans who come back and aren't treated the way they should be by their governments. Uh, On the other hand, I feel for black Americans who fight for a country that don't treat them equally as they would every other American. And then on the other side, you're seeing how women are treated Mm -hmm. in American society. was, Was that intentional on your part?
1: Yeah, and so I have to shout out um, Hillary Jordan, like the author of the book. So, like, these multiple points of view was a conceit of the book and in the bringing its life as a director, I really wanted to make sure that there's balance there and nuance, and I absolutely wanted to get to this idea of, like, everybody's fighting on their own fronts. Like, right. the two women, so it's Florence and Laura, played by like, Mary J. Blige and Carrie Mulligan. You know, they're living in a time where, like, the man is, like, the head of the household and they're supposed to obey, and both women are disobedient. They're quietly doing what they think is right. And, like, the two sons, you know, they're fighting this idea of, like, mental... Of, of, of like mental trauma, and then you have these two farmers, um, played by like Rob Morgan and Jason Clark, Hap and Henry, and these guys both love the land, but they're both connected to it in really unequal ways, right? And so, but they both have this sense of being disinherited. They both feel like you know they can take title that they're entitled to this place, you know, and and one of them literally is because he holds the deed, and the other one can't, even though he does the deeds that keeps the farm going. Right. And so everybody is kind of like you know conflicted and fighting their own fronts. And I want you to like. You may not, you know, agree with someone, but you can like certainly understand kind of their their worldview. So
0: it's yeah. interesting how it feels like the 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 women in the film have to do a lot more of that. That mm-hmm. there is there is a deft touch that they all possess with regards to navigating the emotions of the men that they have to deal with. Mary J. Blige in the film is phenomenal. I mean the cost is is, is is amazing. The film is is beautiful. But Mary J. Blige, I've never seen her like this in a movie. Like how did how did this come together? How did you get Mary J. Blige in, and was it easy to get her to say, "I'm going to do this with no lashes, no wig. No, this is not going to be me in makeup. This is just going to be as yeah. raw as possible."
1: So I had to talk her into that part of it, but uh, <laughs> but, um, but it was kind of great. So I had done uh, Bessie before, and, right. um, so I knew her manager, Shakim, and so he manages Queen Latifah and Mary. And so as we're putting the cast together, I'm like, "Do you think Mary would ever consider doing this?" You know, and I, it was like it was like a hail Mary. I was like, "I doubt. You know, like she'll say no, and we'll move on." And so she read it and said yes. And so I was like, "Oh my God!" And so then it was about you know, disappearing into the character, and just like in a way, I think it's like freeing because you know she could kind of like let go, you know, of the exterior and be this very interior person. And she's gorgeous, she's beautiful, you know, with very little makeup on. And so we talked about it, and she tried to sneak in like some eyelashes every now and then, or try to like sneak in some like nails. And it's like no, 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 I'm like no, 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 no gel tips for Florence.
0: But um, but um, I like the idea the that she is, had like contraband that was nails and yes, tips and
1: yes, it's like what is that in the frame? Like what is that? Is that a, is that a f- French French manicure? But no. <laughs> um, but, um, but Mary's amazing and she was amazing to work with. And like the thing that I miss is like the surprise of it because when we first like premiered at Sundance, nobody knew it was her until the end wow. credits rolled. And everybody's like, wait, who was Mary in the film? And then and now everybody knows, so they're like looking for her, but right, at right, first right. it was like this great like magic trick where they didn't know until like the very end. So you, yeah.
0: you, you've been involved in some phenomenal storytelling. You've created films that many people have loved and they've been critically acclaimed. Uh, when you look at the uh, controversy that has followed the Golden Globes, Um, Natalie Portman was presenting an award Mm -hmm. and uh, said, here are the all-male nominees, and this Mm -hmm. sparked a conversation Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. As a a director who is in Hollywood, who is a woman, Mm -hmm. do you think that there needs to be a conversation in and around the, the inclusivity of women as, you know, being seen as filmmakers? Do you think there's more that can be done, and how can it be done?
1: I think there should be a larger conversation about so many of these awards, like not being about the craft, like not being about the work itself. I feel like when, you know, critics can't celebrate what's on screen, then they want to celebrate the maker. If they can't celebrate the maker, then it would celebrate, like, the story of. So to me, if we're just, like, a checklist, and it was, like, cinematography, performances, right. editing, sound design, you know, then it would get really easy. And to me, regardless of maker, like, what is excellence? Like, and I think that the bigger conversation is, like, people's, I think, unconscious bias influences what they see as excellent. So to me, like, if you're, like, a famous filmmaker and you make a mediocre film, it should be ignored. If you're an unknown filmmaker, you're walking off the street, you make something excellent, it should be rewarded. So there's also this kind of inherent kind of, like, hierarchy built in was like, oh, famous name, big name. We have to, you know, give it respect. And so for me, the bigger thing is like, if it was just about excellence, if it was just about craft, I think that would help to kind of transcend that because then it'd be fine. All five nominees could be women because you're looking just at the craft. You know, right, there's right, not this right. deference to like body of work or there's not this deference to like brand, so.
0: You, 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 you apply that in your world as well because on this film, you had many of your department heads, women, and it wasn't just women, it was women who are excellent in their craft. Is, is it hard to find these women or do you think people just don't look hard enough?
1: No, they're not hard to find. And, like, that's the whole big point I wanted to make. Like, for me, hiring women is not tokenism. It's about hiring the women who are the best at what they do, you know? And so if you see a woman on set, like, you know she's beat out probably 50 other people to get that job, so she knows what the hell she's doing. <laughs> if you see a guy on set, it could be his first day. Like, you don't know. But, um... <laughs> but <laughs> but, and, like, he's not going to tell you. But, um, for me, it's like Rachel Morrison was my cinematographer. And, like, I had known her work from Food Station. And also, like, I lived in LA, in, in L.A. for a while. Like, the whole, like, lesbian social world is, like... Small and then um like Tamar Khali, she'd worked on Pariah, she's the woman on stage just like rocking out. Right. And I knew and she worked on Bessie also and worked worked on this. I've worked with her repeatedly and Mako know my editor. She edited Pariah. And so I just got women who I knew that were amazing, like this woman named Angie Wells who used to do my makeup on press tour for Bessie. She's doing my makeup one day and I'm like, you know, you should like run a department. And same thing, there's a woman named Pud Kuzak, who's our sound recorder, our sound mixer on set, and it was just kind of like who's the best person in New Orleans? And Pud's name came up, so it was like hire Pud. So so for me is about you know hiring excellent people because you know giving
0: people a shot yeah i won't dig that hole but yeah it's about excellence <laughs> i know <laughs> look happen? i i understand what you're saying and yeah. i uh, it's it's hard to apply it in a world where people then go is it tokenism is it not tokenism yeah, yeah. at the end of the day you know what i find yeah. happens is uh if somebody who is of a group that is not um in the position of power messes up, the whole group is messed up. Yeah. So if a woman messes up on set, they go, well, that's why you can't have women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why we don't hire It's like, women. well, yeah. Dave was an asshole. Do you yeah, know exactly. what I mean? And yeah, that's, yeah,
1: yeah, it's that's like, like, yeah. That's essentially it. Yeah, like,
0: just Dave goes down. Like, yeah, not just all Dave. Go down. Yeah, exactly. Um, before I let you go, let's talk about uh, the future for D. Reese. Are you going to be making uh, blockbusters? Are you interested? Because I know some directors just want to make indie films. They want to make beautiful work yeah. that is only in a small environment. Yeah. Are yeah. we going to see you making something crazy? Do you have uh, those aspirations?
1: Yeah, man, I want to do sci-fi. I actually have. um, I did a a part of an anthology series. Electric Dreams is coming out on Amazon soon. And so, like, I've always wanted to like do sci-fi. And so it's like all these like Philip K. Dick adaptations. And then I have this other kind of sci-fi thing, cooking. And then um, I have Twitter films. Like one is a Joan Didion um, piece, uh, The Last Thing He Wanted. So it's like a spy thriller. And then um, this um, a movie about the failure to ratify the ERA with Kerry Mulligan. So I like scale. I like scope. But the thing I'm addicted to with indie film is like the control, you know? So it's kind of like that trade off where the more money you take, you know, sometimes like the less say you have and like you don't get your cut. And with this film, I got like final cut because it was like an indie film and I got like festival cut. And so what that means is if it goes and plays well at the festival, they'll leave it alone, you know what I mean? So like I'm always trying to find sneaky ways to get final cut until I cast, so. I don't know if that answers your question, but I don't know, I'm gonna make make, make cool stuff.
0: (laughs) You're an amazing guest, you make amazing films. Thank you you so much for being on the show.